TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Haldane. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Hey, TYB On The Run. Well, welcome to Luke 10. How exciting is this being in the book of Luke? We are at this point in Jesus' ministry, we're kind of midway through, and we're getting into these great moments where Jesus is interacting with people. So Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the workers deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those there who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will, be, you, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one who no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to a place, 
the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We're going to stop there, guys, because it's actually quite long, this one. There's a little bit extra, but we're going to kind of wrestle with the first part. This beautiful moment where in Luke, you kind of feel like you're really with Jesus because these are eyewitnesses accounts of conversations that happened. And I love the sense of Luke that this moment, you feel like you're kind of in the inner circle of how he's training his disciples. Now, I know at the beginning of this, it says Jesus sends out the 72. Let me just give you some um, a little background on this. Throughout Luke Acts, the thing that you've got to notice is the anointing of people. Jesus is anointed at his baptism and the spirit um, of Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove and the heavens open. The father God says to him, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. That is his anointing moment. It is, it is the moment where the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. Then we have this moment in Luke nine where Jesus does the same. And he says, when Jesus had called the 12 together. This is Luke 9. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim. Can you hear that? From Luke 1, so from the baptism through to Luke 9, we have Jesus kind of being the guy and 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 doing all the miracles and being the anointed one. In Luke 9, we go from that to Jesus sending out the 12. So it goes from 1 to 12. Then in Luke 10, we go to 72. And then we know in Acts 2, this is why Luke Acts should be read together, in Acts 2, 120 are in the upper room and they are anointed to go. Can you see this pattern of anointing from Christ to the disciples, the 12, sends them out to go, anoints the next one, 72, sends them out, kind of branching from, it's the great leadership plan, isn't it? You have the leader, you have his 12, you then have those 12 who are instructing the 72, you then have those 72 who are building 120, and then there's those 120 who are building the congregation. And we get to the whole body of Christ being anointed and sent to go. So there's this pattern of anointing to go. And I love this. Let me just tell you a bit quick background of this in the Old Testament. Can you mention the numbers again? One, 12, 72, 120. The one, obviously, is Jesus. In the Old Testament, we have Yahweh. The 12 being the 12 tribes. The 72 were the elders um, and the judges that Moses appointed. And then the 120 were how many nations they thought at that time. So you can kind of see this reversing or not reversing, replacing pattern again in Luke and Acts. He's saying what Israel should have done has was should have come through the 12 tribes of Israel the amazing blessing it is to of salvation should have come through the 12 tribes of Israel as the government should have come through the 72 as the next level should have come through to the nations and then to the whole world and he says I am telling you this is what Jesus is doing he is not keeping this anointing and this salvation to himself he is doing what Israel should have done how cool is this 
he, he's taking his 12, he's anointing them, he's sending them out. Then the 12 uh, are training 72, anointing them to send it out. 72 coming to 120 anointed to be sent out. There is this beautiful essence of, of replacing and almost redoing what Israel should have done in these New Testament texts. So notice the numbers. How cool is that that that's our mission, guys? It's not about us getting the anointing. It's about us going. So he sends them out and he sends them out in, in Luke 10 with this big instruction section. And I love it. Oh my gosh, to go back and just be sitting at the sitting at the feet of Jesus and just to be taught and trained. This is what this Bible does for me. It transforms me or transfers me back into just sitting at his feet, being one of his disciples. And the harvest, he says this, um, he told them to go two by two, sounds a bit like the ark, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Um, he said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's saying basically there's not going to be a lot of you out there. Um, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I love this essence of Christianity isn't just about us staying in our churches. It's not about the 12 disciples staying with Jesus and having these three years where he, they get to. No, this was always about going. This was always about, okay, I'm going to anoint you to, I'm going to do this so that you know the pattern, but I need you now 12 to go. I now need you 72 to go. And I love this essence of it's always going out into the nations. Why? Because like he says here, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's not going to be easy, guys. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. He's saying be ready for this. Be activated in this. And we're, I know he's sending the 72 out, but this is instructions for us. When you enter a house and it gives you practicals, um, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. He's basically saying do what you do best. If they reject it, fine, that's their issue. If they don't, come in partnership with it. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. He's saying don't be scared to, to take food because I told you back there, no purse, no sandals, <laughs> no bag. So you're actually going to be sent out and need provisions. Do not move around from house to house. Can I say I kind of love this moment? Why? Because it takes the minister out of the ministry and puts them into a house. I love that. Jesus is basically saying, hey, guys, don't stay around here with me. Don't stay, stay while I'm providing food. Don't take anything. I need you to need them. I need you to need to go in to have dinner with them because I want you to go in to have dinner with them. I want you to fellowship with them. I want you to eat with them. I don't want you to walk into that house as though high and mighty has arrived. I want you to be there amongst them and I want them to be a part of the ministry and provide the food and be a mix of this. It's all about this beautiful essence of going into the community, not remaining as, as the 72, just as disciples, but going into the community. And that's what our, as guys, as Christians, we are not to remain in our church cliques. I know you love your church clique and I know they speak your language and I know that they do everything that you think and I know that you don't have any issues with what they say or do. But sometimes we are so set in church cliques that the, we don't actually are part of the community. Pastor Mark Kelsey from C3 Church Oxford Falls said this, he always has a group that are, are not church groups. He always has friends that are not church friends. Why? Because that's that's his heart. That's where he wants to be. And I love that. We should always have friends that are not saved so that we can be a light and go in like this moment. 
Okay, let's keep going. When you, um, He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are there. He's kind of giving them instructions. I love this. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near. This is a big thing for them at this time, guys. The kingdom of God was this remembrance and this essence of King David, the kingdom of authority, the kingdom of power. And he's basically saying, you are a part of a bigger picture. You go into these communities, not just as, um, you know, my disciples, which is amazing, not just as, as individuals, but you are part, this mission to go has to be, have the heart of, I am part of a big picture. And I love that the kingdom of God is near. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets, say, even the dust of, of your town, we wipe from our feet. He's basically saying, preach the gospel, but what happens and how they react is not your issue. And I love that guys. Sometimes we get so convicted when we preach the gospel and people don't get saved or we get so convicted when we preach the gospel and, and, or talk to somebody and they don't, you know, give their life to Christ straight away. It's obedience that Christ is calling you to. And that obedience of just saying that, that was so beautiful and will be honored and rewarded. And then here he says, the reaction to the gospel is not your issue. That is up to them. And maybe take that weight off you guys, because when that weight's off you, you can talk a much free, you evangelize more freely because you don't feel like evangelism is successful when they get saved. No, evangelism is successful when you open your mouth. Evangelism is successful. You do not know what seed you are planting. They may not get saved at that point. You do not know what seed you have planted and they will get saved at a later point. So there's a little bit of thing. He's saying your the response is not what we're looking at. What we're looking at is just be obedient and go into these places. Um, and then he does this woe to you moment. I love it. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. This is a shock to them because Tyre and Sidon are not cities that should be saved. And he's kind of saying, guys, you are, you, the people out there in the world are actually better than, than you. You, you are actually Capernaum. You should actually be the ones that are repenting and you're not. And again, he's saying even the son of God, even Jesus looked at cities and couldn't get them saved, which is really amazing. Even Jesus in this moment, he's saying it's up to their response. Um, and he says, and you Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Oh my gosh. I love this moment where he's like, I can do what I can do, but the response is up to them. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. And there's this beautiful moment. He's saying, guys, don't take the responsibility on. Can I say, TYB, don't take evangelism responsibility on. It's not about you being being able to communicate it well. It's not about you being able to say the right thing so that somebody gets saved. No, it's about you being you in your family and just sharing Christ. And it's up to, up to them in relation to their response. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They were so excited. They're going out, they, they're preaching, they're healing, they're, they're having a ball. He then replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Can you hear he's kind of readjusting their their, um, 
their vision there. He's like, oh, hang on. Don't get so focused on the demons here, the power, because once it's kind of like a kid with a new toy. Can you feel that? They're kind of going out with the ability to heal and and they've got this new anointing on them and it's a kid with a new toy and they're like super excited and the demons are submitting and you kind of have that power packed moment. And then when he comes back, when they come back, there's his discipleship moment. And it's a beautiful moment where Jesus goes, yay, good job. You're so excited. I saw, you know, kind of confirms it, but then he goes, how about I adjust that a little bit? Um, just watch your focus on the power over Satan thing, because really your greatest joy is that you are you're going to heaven and your name is in the um, the book. So there's this beautiful kind of decide. Can you hear it? Feel it? This discipleship moment. That's why you have time with Jesus, and that's why you have time in your Word, because we have these discipleship moments. When you read these chapters, this is this is instructions for you, not just for these seventy two. He's saying to us, guys, don't get so focused on the power of miracles and signs and wonders. Know that our base of everything that we do in our ministry is the fact that we are saved, going to heaven, eternal life. You cannot lose that. So if the miracles stop and the signs and wonders stop and all of that stops, if your identity is in that, then you'll have an issue. But if your identity is the fact that you know you are saved, all of this stuff is done out of good fruit and and, um, a good heart. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. I love that. <laughs> Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, and what do I mean by, when I say that? If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, that's just as simple as saying, Holy Spirit, just baptize me. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. The Holy Spirit is, is, the, is the one sent alongside us here on earth to walk with us. He's our counselor. He's, our, he's the what's called a paraclete. He's one to walk alongside. He is the, the, the partner in this journey. And I love here that Jesus actually says, and it says of Jesus, he was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is his strength. I love it. I, and he's, it comes out of his mouth. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to him. He's, he's looking at these 72 and he's bursting with joy. And in his bursting with joy, he says, oh, God, I'm so I praise you that you are using these these unlearned men to do miracles and signs and wonders. And it's an encouragement for us. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. This is this is Jesus realizing his mission on the earth. His mission on the earth is absolutely in the end to die and and be resurrected for the sin of the world. But his mission on the earth was to make disciples. And he loved it. You can hear this heart of I'm loving seeing them do this. Leaders, that is the heart that we should have. Not that I am the man or woman of God and I do all the things. No, you should be bursting with joy when you see them do it. The greatest joy of my heart is when I see my TYB team writing and doing all this stuff on their own and they can run the the stuff by themselves now. The greatest joy is the legacy that you leave behind, not what you have said and done in your own ministry. So this is what Jesus, I love this moment where he's like, I'm so excited to be training these people. Oh, it's so cute. Um, he said, all things have been committed to, to me by my father. No one knows who the son is except the father, and no one knows who the father is except the son, and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. It's this beautiful intricacy with the father and son. It's almost like this interwoven relationship, and, and that is just so beautiful. Uh, can you hear that we're really getting into the personal words of Christ here. We're kind of getting into his brain. It's really cool. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And this makes me cry because I have to say, I agree. They are so blessed to be walking bodily with Jesus on this earth 
They are so blessed to be discipled by Christ. Sometimes I get, I get, have moments where I'm like, oh God, I'm Jesus. I wish you could just come down with skin on again. <laughs> I just need a hug. I just need Jesus with skin on. And I know that there's so many people in my community that are kind of Jesus with skin on for me. But imagine sitting and being able to touch Jesus. And I cannot wait to get to heaven till we get to see him face to face. And I'm going to be the loudest one screaming. I just know it. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. There's, he's basically saying, guys, do not take this for granted. Generations have been prophesying this and generations after you will be envious of this. And I am with one of those generations. On one occasion, let's quickly go through the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to take a little bit longer in this. Is that okay, guys? I'm going to take about four minutes. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Again, we've got these two people, one who believe. There's 72 that are just so excited about the miracles. And then Jesus faces here with a teacher again. Imagine him. He's like, oh, man, can I just be with my people? But no, he's beautiful and patient. He says, teacher, he asked. Isn't that amazing? Teacher. He doesn't He doesn't call him you know, I mean, it's respectful in Jewish custom to call him teacher, but he doesn't, he, he's, he's kind of just acknowledging that he's a good teacher, not the son of God or anything like that, or a Messiah. Uh, teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, there's a hook in this question. You can hear it. What is written in the law? He replied, um, how do you read it? I love Jesus. He doesn't take the hook. He's like, okay, you answer first and then, then I'll tell you. <laughs> he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He answers correctly because Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. He takes it one step too far, though. How do I I know his motivations are bad? If he'd stopped at that point and gone, thank you so much, what he was asking Jesus was just for wisdom. But he's not. He's not asking Jesus for wisdom. He's asking Jesus almost to trick him. And he says, but he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to show everyone around him that he was smart. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus does this beautiful moment where he does the the, um, story of the Samaritan. And I love this because I'm going to reread this to you guys. And I'm going to put our kind of characters in it. No disrespect to pastors or uh, no disrespect to worship leaders, but I'm going to put our characters in it. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem to Jericho, guys, is a very bad road. (laughs) If you are going from Jerusalem to Jericho, there is robbers. It it is a really bad road. It is a road known for muggers, basically. Um, So when he was attacked by robbers, they would have been like, well, yeah, of course he's been attacked by robbers because he was going on that road. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, let's say a, um, a minister, happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side of the road. A worship leader, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other, other side. But a Samaritan, how, an outcast. Uh, a Samaritan was the outcast of Jerusalem. We know this. Samaritans were mixed in the exile. So they were Assyrian, Samaria people that were mixed with Jews. So they were half-castes, according to um, the Jewish people, and they were rejected. That you know, The Samaritan woman at the well had to go during the day because the, the women didn't accept her to be there at the right time, which was in the morning. So these this this outcast, as he, tra- as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Oh, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought it to him. We know this. He pays for him. He takes care of him. He says, look after him. And he goes back to the, the teacher, the Pharisee, and says, 
Which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the next man? Who Now, this guy's got an issue because a priest and a Levite are his hierarchy. And he's about to say that this Samaritan is actually the one who did the right thing. That would have been like a bitter pill in his mouth to do. <laughs> one moment he's arrogant and, oh, look at me, I've done the right thing. And the next moment he knows that Jesus has lured him in by this beautiful parable to say that neighbors are those who aren't in your clique, neighbors are those who are outcasts. And he says, ah, um, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. In other words, what's this, guys, really quickly? Our neighbors aren't the, the ones that we love our neighbors, you know, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is, isn't the one that you want to love. This is what this parable is about. The neighbor is not your Christian friend that you get along with. That's easy to love that person. Your neighbor is the person that you naturally despise. Jesus says, Jesus commands some, most of the time, are not confirming what's natural. They are, are changing your heart. And this is what he's saying to this, to this guy. He's saying, yeah, you could love your, your priest and you could love your Levite and you could love your, your clique, but I'm not asking you to love your clique. I'm asking you to love your outcasts. I'm asking you to love those ones that, that takes a toll to love. I'm asking you to love the people that you have to really forgive to love. I'm asking you to go beyond your natural essence of love and I'm asking you to step into what this Jesus is teaching here to love somebody that you actually despise. How cool is that? So take it a little bit deeper, guys. Take it when he says love your neighbor. Jesus' teaching sometimes reverses the things in our head. So I hope you've loved Luke 10. I've loved um, sharing it with you, and I cannot wait to study the next chapter with you.